Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au Welcome to Crunch Time. Franklin, two bites, takes the mark, runs into the open goal. Mitchell in some space, and he assessed it perfectly, the lead of Gunston. So they'll all get to him here as he loads up from outside the arc. It straightens, and he points to the skies, and every Hawk will get to him. Around the corner looking for Hawkins. Here he comes, Hawkins! Tom Hawkins! He's taken a mark. He's only 10 metres out, Tom Hawkins. Put the catch in front by a goal. Charlie Cameron has the chance to ice it. Now it runs around for about 40 metres out. The ball coming around. It's coming around for Charlie. And it's coming around for the Brisbane Lions here in the Q-Class 23. Gaunt scoops it out. Eugle Hagen had a pattern in front of him from 15 metres out. What a goal. What a goal. From Jamara Eugle Hagen. It's his fifth of the night. The roof is coming off Marvel Stadium. The Dogs fans have erupted. They've got around the youngster. What a game. The Dogs are in the top eight. That is the big story. Jamara Hagen, a five-goal haul in a coming-of-age game. What's going wrong at the Ds? The Cats are flying. Are they the standout in the competition right now? And the Swans, they continue their push for a top four spot. So much still to play out in the final month of the home-and-away season. We will unpack all of the action so far in round 19 right here on Sunday Crunch Time. Good morning, everyone. It is great to have your company on this Sunday. Nat Edwards with you and a man who played 141 games for Fremantle and the Gold Coast Suns in Michael Barlow. Welcome to you. Good morning, Nat. Yeah, good to be here. I was uh, fortunate enough to be here last night for... What a treat. Definitely the top three games of the year and uh, absolutely has the potential to, to take the gong as the game of the year. Uh, the swings and roundabouts in the match. The doggies had no right to really be in the match uh, the longer it went. But uh, as, as you mentioned, the coming of age of Jamari Hagen and, and we'll get some nice bits of audio from, from Luke Beveridge. We'll talk to Alex Keith and, and get a little bit of an insight into to that young man and, and how he's going last two weeks, eight goals. Yeah, unbelievable game at Marvel Stadium. We've had... Some really cracking games, of course, across the round so far and still more to come today. We have Carlton and GWS coming up at Marvel Stadium where we are right now. That's the early game, 1.10pm Eastern time start. The Blues looking to consolidate their place in the top eight. Then Collingwood and Essendon, traditional rivals, go head-to-head at the MCG. It's going to be a beautiful day there at the G320 start and pies. Well, they could be in the top four if they win today. West Coast and St Kilda is the other game. That's the 4.40pm Eastern start time game and the Saints of course need to win that one to keep their season alive. The Saturday wrap for the Werribee Isuzu Ute. They make buying cars easy. In case you missed it of course the Dogs keep their season alive and get that grand final revenge as they down the Ds. The Lions overpower the Suns in the Q Clash and move into third place on the ladder. 
The Cats survived a scare against the power as they make it nine wins in a row. The Swans, geez, they blitz the Crows in that opening term. Nine goals, if you don't mind, and they continue their climb up the ladder. Over in Hobart yesterday, it was a five-goal haul from Jack Gunston that inspired the Hawks to victory over North Melbourne. And, of course, going all the way back to Friday night, if you missed it, the first draw of the year, Fremantle and the Tigers left with two points each in the fallout. From that, of course, now leaves Richmond vulnerable as they drop out of the top eight. That was a Saturday wrap for Werribee Izuzu. Upgrade your old ute into D-Max. Now they are paying top dollar for trade-ins. What are your big winners and losers from this weekend so far? Because there's a few. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the biggest winners, I think the Dogs, their year, I don't think they can you know push and make a big play late late in the year. They might make finals. But off the back of last night and off the back of last week, yep. they're big winners due to that emergence now of Jamara Ugelhagen. Yeah. So he's the talk of the town at the moment. Even last night, five goals. I think it was only six, you know, seven or eight possessions that he had. So low numbers in terms of possession, but he has big impact. Yeah. And him in front of goal, the big moments, the set shots was, was tremendous. So a huge win... For their club. Luke Beveridge has made him earn his keep, earn his opportunity to play regular AFL football, of which still hasn't, like, it still hasn't been the case. I can't see him in the short term going back to the VFL and you put another preseason into him. So the Dogs fans should be bringing, brimming with some confidence in terms of what their future looks like beyond this year. Yep. Um, so they're, they're a big winner for mine. The Cats, they now stand as legitimate flag favourites yep. for, for mine. Look, yesterday's game, Port Adelaide threw everything at them. That third term. Whew, they came Every, at them. Everything at them. And in fairness to them, they had every right to just maybe just roll over. Not today. You know, put put the hand up. Not today, coach. We'll, we'll, we'll go again next week when we're at home. But they rallied. And you know who it was? It was Tom Atkins. It was, you know, the, the players, Max Holmes is one that you know, has come through. He signed a, signed a contract extension. So they're finding different ways there was an element of their top enders that got to work as well and and pushed it through. It wasn't Dangerfield, you know. It was it was other players from the hoops getting it done. Joel Salwood was relatively quiet yesterday, so again, they're, they're the big winners in terms of you know, the prospects of this year. The demons are still right in the mix. For mine, it's it's the demons and the cats and, and a big drop off to the next. Yeah, I mean, and it sets up a, a beautiful clash. If you look at next Saturday night, GMHBA Stadium, it is Geelong hosting the Bulldogs. So that is going to be an absolute cracker. And really, if you look at the Dogs, the next four, the Cats, Fremantle, GWS and Hawthorne, I mean, probably the, the first two are, are pretty tough. Maybe yeah. you never know what happens at the back end of seasons. Uh, Hawthorne could be dangerous there, the Giants too. But it's um, there's no easy games in the next sort of month for, for any of the sides too. If you look at the Demons who have Fremantle, Collingwood, Carlton and the Lions, that's really tough. And Richmond, of course, still trying to battle it out and, and they have an easier draw of sorts. But um, who do you see sort of sneaking into yeah. that top eight now? Is it the Bulldogs? Yeah, yeah. for mine it's the Dogs. It's, it's as it is at the moment. The Dogs are in the eight. Uh, St Kilda with an opportunity later today yeah. against West Coast to win that go equal on points and you know percentage will play a, a part there. The, the Dogs uh, are the one for mine that will get in to the finals. Do they? Yeah, could they be a disruptor? 
Or are they just oh, making up the numbers wh- if they wh- made whoever it? Whoever makes the finals, it's it, you can you can never treat as you know just walkovers and, yep. and push aside and, and push through. If it was played today, you know fifth versus eighth, it's Sydney versus the doggies. Oh, oh, the Sydney the Sydney Swans for my, for mine are the next team below Melbourne and Geelong yep. right now with the form and and how they're how they're kind of rising and the emergence of Chad Warner, you know, Justin McInerney's had a big year. We're seeing teams uh, have different personnel, have big impact, and actually shape what is possible for, for their football clubs, uh, as as uh, alluded to with Chad Warner, as alluded to with the Cats, with Tom Atkins, and, and different players um, playing integral roles in, in terms of what their prospects look like for this year. Yeah, I mean, one of my big winners this weekend is the Sydney Swans. I mean, that first quarter, they just blew the Adelaide Crows, you know, out of the water. Um, they've won four of their past five games now, five straight at the SCG, in fact. Mm. They're, and you're looking at their draw. So they're fifth at the moment. So Collingwood could leapfrog them should they win today. But the Swans, in terms of, you know, their their next sort of month of football, they could quite easily finish in the top four, maybe even get a double chance. Their their draws looking that good. They could genuinely win the last seven games of the mm. season at the rate they're going. I'm just really liking what they're doing. Early days, I sort of found them hard to, to read. They were a little bit inconsistent, but I like the fact, like you say, Chad Warner, these other kids sort of stepping up. Tom Papley's been um, playing a little bit more midfield time. He's been attending a few more centre um, centre bounces. He, he sparked them early yesterday. So I really like what the Swans are putting out there, and I, I reckon mm. they're a... A cheeky it's, chance. It's a weight of numbers, uh, weight of numbers op- operation for them at the moment. If you look at the stats for yesterday, Rory Laird has 38 and kicks yeah. a goal. Then it drops away to Luke Parker with 29, uh, all the way down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players. The next eight players on you know the disposals mm. list are, are Swans. It's Parker, it's Mills, it's Blakey, Rowbottom, Fox, McInerney, Stevens, Chad Warner. Yep. So that, that's outside of Parker there. You know, that's, that's the new age. Even Callum Mills, who's you know, he's been around a fair while. He's a young, um, right in the sweet spot of his career player. So Dylan Stevens is one they've made to, to earn his opportunity. Played a lot of AFL footy earlier in the year. So you know, it does speak to a little bit of the other side of the coin in that match in terms of Adelaide and, and, and where they're yep. at. Um, you know, their weight of numbers just... They're continually relying on Roy Laird, you know, Brody Smith. So that's the other side of the coin. But Sydney, they can only play what's in front of them. And they did extremely well yesterday. Just one to, to give you a winner across the weekend's footy nap. Uh, and an emotional one. And one um, that will pull at the heartstrings of Jack, Jack Gunston's yeah. performance yesterday. Five goals for his return after a couple of weeks out with personal leave. Um, you know, the loss of his father recently. Um, Unbelievable first goal of the game and, and played a, played a huge match and some of the the quotes from Jack post game um, referred to the fact that he was back in back in his happy place yeah. and his, his dad would have just been absolutely thrilled that he's out there he's doing what he loves and just taking his mind off um, the personal tragedy for for just a just a fleeting moment.
Yeah, I mean, Jack Gunston was absolutely brilliant yesterday and super emotional after the game, as you would imagine. He kicked five goals, four, had 17 disposals and seven marks. He could have kicked, I think he's never actually kicked more than six goals in a game, which surprises me. But he kicked four in the 2013 grand final. Yep. And it uh, <laughs> makes me a little bit. Didn't want to bring that up bit, again. Uh, <laughs> Trimmed. <laughs> I can imagine. But he kicked his fifth goal was from the pocket. And the wind, if you were watching that game yesterday at Blundstone Arena, the wind was just absolutely howling. It was very unpredictable at that end in particular. He was literally aiming at the far right point post and somehow it flowed back in. It was a miracle goal. It was brilliant and uh, such a great performance by him down in Hobart to get the Hawks' third straight win. So those are some of the, the winners from round 19. Losers, I don't like this word, but yep. but look, ugh, teams for, for with me, out of out of adversity comes opportunity. Exactly, <laughs> that, that's a good way of looking at it. The Tigers are the one. I mean, they had their opportunities mm. on Friday night. They let it slip. They've only got the two points for a draw. They're now outside of the top eight, and there's some real issues. I know that they're missing, you know, obviously Dustin Martin and Tom Lynch will come back for that crucial game against Brisbane next week, but. Is it when you lose that many games by, you know, a very small margin? And I think it's seven games now this year where they've been leading at three quarter time and they haven't got the win at the end of the game. Is it an on field leadership thing? Should we be concerned about what's happening out on the field in uh, those situations? Well, there, there's, as a coach, albeit at a state league level myself, it's that those close games. Um, is now becoming a trend, isn't it, for, mm. for the Tigers? And Damien Hardwick would be looking for answers and his match committee would be looking for situations and, and chances that they, that they miss. I know I, I love listening to post-game interviews, uh, uh, press conferences in, in moments like that. And everyone gravitates towards the Noah Bolter free yeah. kick. And, and yes, you know, Noah Bolter should have started before his 30 seconds and had a shot on goal. No worries. There's that moment. There's so many of those moments throughout the game that Damien Harwick could be looking at and saying, we've got to be better there. We had an opportunity to put them away there or, or we've leaked one um, there. So the ability to to take the emotion out of it you know, is a coach's responsibility and, to, and then to reflect and review, of which they absolutely will do. But the game management, and to, to talk about game management here last night, watching the Dogs, um, and we interviewed Aaron Norton post-game, and, and he said it's something they haven't actually been in the circumstance of too much this year, that the close game at the end and having to save a game. And I, we asked him the question and said, you know, do, you, do, you, do you practice it? Do you train it? Do you, mm. do you walk through it? And he goes, yeah, we, we're constantly doing that. But it's the first time for a while we've actually had to implement. And they implemented really well. You saw um, a seventh defender go behind the ball, which was Aaron Norton. And then they manned that up Melbourne. So they had to put an eighth behind, which was Josh Bruce. It was the old-fashioned flood. So these, these clubs train it. They coach it. Um, and then it does come down so much. The, the coaches will wear it, uh, and they'll they'll take the burden of it, uh, as harsh as it is, or as or, or however you want to paint it. The realities are, you know, the coaches do become uh, fairly null and void in those yeah. circumstances, reliant on players to get that done. And in a situation where it's a draw, it's a unique situation, isn't it? Because no team, no team is trying to save a draw, so both teams are going. Um, hell for leather to try and get a score and actually get the result. Yeah, and you really feel too for Noah Cumberland. And again, if, you know, he's what third gamer. Uh, you can't be putting any blame towards him. And and you know, I couldn't even hear the siren on the TV from where I was watching. Like the noise would have been that. Mm. 
that loud and you know you just don't know how much time is left but he looked like a shattered man after the game as well so you really felt for him would and have taken a kick would have taken a fair roost he would have had a kick at 55 got a, a massive left foot kick so yes. Who knows? You just needed a score. That's all he needed. Uh, for mine, the other loser, I guess, the Gold Coast Suns, they had a prime opportunity. I mean, they've been beat up in the Q clashes against the Brisbane Lions. They've now lost, I think it's um, it's eight in a row now they've, they've lost in, in Q clashes. They led by six points at halftime, seven points at three-quarter time, and the Brisbane Lions were just so powerful in that final term. They kicked five goals to one to get the job done, but just felt like the Suns, they were they were pushing and they were pressing. They just couldn't put away the big brother in the Brisbane Lions, and that's an opportunity that's gone missing now, and that's probably it for their finals yeah. chances. Well, that, that's it for their finals chances. That's it for Port Adelaide's finals chances mm. after... Yesterday's result, there is... Um, oh, Ken you know, Hinkley's saying they're not out of yeah, it Yeah, four, four games to go. You're looking at the, the live ladder and <laughs> you, you've just got to win. Yeah. Um, and when you, you say you're still alive, but you come off the back of, of two missed opportunities in the past two weeks, of which Port Adelaide absolutely have with their their loss to, to Melbourne last week. It was Kasai Pickett that put them to bed last week. Yeah. So they couldn't find an answer to that. Um, and then like, yes, late yesterday, twilight match against Geelong, they've had their opportunities to, to win Port Adelaide. So... So often we look at these sides that just miss out and say, oh, what could have, if they had just done this or just done that. At the end of the day, the opportunities are there right in front of them. Um, the one I'll come back to with the Suns is, you know, they were, they were admirable last night, but they were really, really poor the week before. Yeah. So against Essendon, where oh, I think, in, in my honest opinion, clubs can come, clubs like the Suns who, who've just, you know, teetered on the edge and shown some promise, can come to Marvel Stadium last week and think, oh, yes, and uh, let's have a look at the app. Where are they? They're 15th yeah. on the ladder. And we um, just beat the Tigers. Yeah, here we go. Let, let, uh, yeah, let's go. We're all patting each other on the back. The, the coach has extended. Um, the mentality of this game, if you take it off 5 to 10%, yep. that, is, that, that is just game over. Yep. That's all you need. 2% is too much in terms of the mental game at this level. So we'll look at op- opportunities that these clubs have missed that will miss finals but at the end of the day it's within their palms to grab at the time and, and the, the the better clubs grab those opportunities. And a little shout out to, uh, I didn't mention before but a winner was Elijah Hollands making his mm. debut. I've been waiting two years for this kid to play his first game of footy followed him closely in the under 18s and he was um, superb last night. I mean he only had the 10 touches but he kicked two goals and yeah. first kick First goal joins that um, illustrious club. Had a little bit of a, a blue with um, in the goal square in, in defence where uh, Joe Danaher intercepted uh, his kick and um, and kicked a goal straight away. But he'll learn from that. But it was really nice to see Elijah Hollands playing at the level and he slotted in seamlessly and, and did some really, really nice things. So a little shout out there for Elijah Hollands. All right, there's still plenty more to come on Sunday crunch time. We've got... Quite a few guests coming up on our program. Alex Keith, the dog's key defender, will join us around 11.30. We'll also be previewing the Giants and Carlton Clash that's coming your way here at Marvel Stadium. We've got GWS assistant coach Dean Solomon and Tim Clark from the Blues who coaches their midfield. They're coming up a little bit later on the show. Stay with us here on Sunday Crunch Time. Right after this, we're going to be deep diving into the Bulldogs and Melbourne game. The award-winning Crunch Time.
Everyone's proud of them, Ollie, and all you know, the staff who work so hard with them and um, to support them. And you know, we haven't had a win like that for a while. And um, testament to their perseverance tonight. You know, to be so far down against you know a team along with Geelong, who um, probably the benchmark still of the competition. And uh, you know, to believe and and persevere and hold their nerve and keep taking the game on and and bit by bit. Um, you know, get closer and closer. It's just a, it's a tremendous night for us. It's a really good platform for the future to win a game like that. And um, and yeah, I think, you know, many of our, our people who who work with the boys uh, are a bit emotional tonight. You know, because uh, uh, you know, no, no week against anyone is is easy. It's they're all really difficult. Uh, it was a huge challenge for us tonight. And um, you know, and some of the boys who. Uh, haven't necessarily been involved in some of our monumental victories over the journey. It really stood up tonight, you know, at different times, and um, and that'll do um, all of our boys the world of good for the, for the future. It certainly will. It was a win for the ages. That was Western Bulldogs coach Luke Beveridge there speaking after the Bulldogs down the D's by 10 points. The Dogs clawing their way into the top eight. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. It's great to have your company on this Sunday morning. It's Nat Edwards and Michael Barlow with you and Mick just listening to Bevo there, I mean, he talked about it as well, about it being one of uh, his best home and away wins. They've obviously had some fantastic wins during finals too, but that game was an absolute cracker last night. So many momentum swings as well, and the Dogs found themselves 27 points down. They just have that grit and resilience, don't they? And that self-belief that they could come back and, you know, get some redemption, I guess, if you can call it that, for, for that grand final loss. Uh, yeah, it's going to be hard to pull back all of the redemption after you don't <laughs> no. uh, lift the cup I don't think so. at the end. But uh, our AFL Nation broadcast last night, the, the Freed from Desire uh, oh, yes. song was played all through all of the highlights. So it was a, a great production. <laughs> it was great work from the back room. But from my point of view, uh, the, watching, watching live, the dogs hung in with accurate kicking early. Yep. So I think uh, from memory it was you know, eight scoring shots to the D's to, to four for, for the Dogs, but they, they kicked all goals. So they, they just hung around, and the accurate uh, nature of that meant they just didn't get too far behind at any stage. Bevo, and, and speaking to Alex Keith in a moment, it'll be interesting to mm. tap into his, his brain about how Bevo approaches that, whether he just implores his own players to, to keep showing up and, and implement what they, what they train and what they focus on because Jack McRae was really quiet. Yeah. Uh, halfway through the second quarter, he'd had four possessions. Yep. And, and once he started to get his hands on the ball around clearance and set um, teammates up, everything else started to, to flow. Their, their front half was really, really quiet. Uh, Bonten Pally was the one that was looking most dangerous within the forward 50 for the dogs. Jamari Ugelhagen went to the halftime break with, with two goals, but you know, no impact from Johannesson, no impact from Bruce. Yep. Um, limited impact from Aaron Norton. He was getting his colours lowered. So from you know, my perspective, it was Luke Beveridge and his coaching group which had just been imploring, right, we're not doing a huge amount um, wrong, but we're not not at all near where we can be. Yeah. If we can get to where we can be, because the Melbourne were going pretty well. They were throwing a lot at them and and things were coming up trumps for them. So they stuck to the task in a 120-minute game. 
you know, they, they bought back in. They had a really good chunk chunk of play, um, obviously, in the last quarter, but it was off the back of you know, their key drivers getting involved in the game. Tim English was really good. You know, Max Gorn, I think, was in the top, from my point of view, three players on the ground. But Tim English had his moments and would have been in the top five to six players on the ground as well. Yeah, I mean, the Dogs dominated that that third quarter. They just really couldn't capitalise on the scoreboard. And, and you look at Melbourne as well, that last term. I mean, because I pick it misses a couple of set shots, which were probably gettable. Um, Stephen May had that howler kick out of defence as well. And then you see a spoil from Bailey Dale, which yeah. just, you know, really lifts the, the team as well. I mean, Melbourne had their, their opportunities, but their midfield went quiet, didn't it, after the second half. Um, and the Dogs really just got on top. They ended up winning the clearances 45 to 38. Yeah. And centre bounce was a real concern for the Dogs, especially yeah, early for, on. And right up till, you know, three quarter time. And even in the last quarter, the, the, the Demons really did own centre clearance and that's off the back of Max Gorn's dominance yeah. and the connectivity that group ha- has with each other there was a few crucial moments late in the game where Max Gorn got his hand to it straight down to Jack Viney you know, and it was as they would have drawn it up pre-game but the dogs just got a hand in it was Libba laying a tackle and, or, or Jack, Jack McRae just scooping it out um, and the, the longer the scrap went last night the, the doggies were there for the fight and, and yeah, I, I I walk away with no less admiration for Melbourne because they lost a key pillar each end um, 24 hours out from the game. Ben Brown goes out. Sam Wiedemann gets an opportunity. We can discuss Sam Wiedemann and where he sits at the moment. Had a really good game last night with three goals. But Jake Lever, first time since 2019 that they've conceded 100 points. And Jake Lever post-game was doing a match simulation session on Marvel Stadium, which would suggest he wasn't far away from playing. I yeah. think, yeah, if he'd had a couple more days, that mm. shoulder probably would be right. So he, he should be good to go in a crucial game against Fremantle um, next week. Jamara Yugelhagen, I mean, everyone's going to be talking about him this morning. Five goals, kicked three last week. So he's had eight and two, two weeks, of course. I mean, he was just unbelievable. Those three of his five goals, of course, coming in that, final term. He also had seven disposals and four inside 50s in that last mm. quarter. He just really stood up. So much pressure on a number one draft pick too, but the Bulldogs have just made him earn his spot and uh, look, he repaid them last night. He was so entertaining yeah. to watch. And it was interesting calling the game with um, Josh Jenkins who has a knack to understand the key forward role yeah. and all the hybrid craft, forward role yeah. and, and what he was describing was Jamari Hagen isn't going to be a stay at home you know, body up and, no. and one-on-one market. First half last night, he got uh, shown up a, a few times in, in physical um, physical contests in the air. He just couldn't get to the front position. And as soon as he lost front position, uh, just didn't have the physicality to be able to, to claw back and at least halve the contest. But, but what he did do, the, the long, longer the game went and the, long, the more the game opened up, you saw his leading patterns and his, and his ability to access um, long leads up towards half forward flank and up towards the wing and and mark the ball out in front of his eyes. So the longer game, the game went, you know the Melbourne defenders were found wanting against Jamari Eaglehagen, and he also found just very um, crafty spots in terms of finding an uncontested mark inside forward fifty uh, and then executing his set shot. So he's going to be a player that, at his best, he's getting you know ten to twelve possessions. Uh, but but maximising in terms of score involvement and, and kicking goals himself. And that last goal on the left <laughs> junction from half forward, uh, it was his night. And when he got the ball in his hands, 
you, you did have this sense. It was right in front of a pocket yeah. of, of Bulldogs' absolute tragics. And I haven't <laughs> seen the papers today, but I did make the call at the time. I felt like the the clip was going to be the number two just in front of yep. all the adoring Western Bulldogs fans because that one uh, put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, nah, the house erupted. This was Luke Beveridge, Bulldogs coach, on Jamara Hagen after the game. To Tamara in particular, yeah, yeah we, we've got to acknowledge his contribution to the, the win, Pete. You know, especially the way he finishes the game off with uh, with it on the line, and uh, and you know, Stephen May was having a pretty significant night, and our other key forwards uh, weren't necessarily getting it too easy and not having their you know, most outstanding nights. So for uh, the youngest and uh, emerging. Of the of the trio to, to play that sort of game, um, Saturday Night Lights, you know, against the Demons is uh, was you know sensational. So uh, celebrate that, then bring him back down to earth really really quickly because there's uh, there's a bit to come up ahead. Talks about bringing him mm. back down to earth pretty quickly from a coaching perspective. What do you do? Do you take him aside and and have a chat to him, or I mean? Yeah, you obviously don't want him to get ahead of himself. I'm yeah. not sure he's the kind of person who would get ahead of himself no. anyway. I think that there has been some criticism of, of Jamari Hagen in the first couple of years, hasn't there, around, yeah. oh, well, I suppose, in the modern day of social media and and, and, and what your brand looks like. Yes. And, and sometimes a lot of that stuff is, is out of your own control about being a number one draft pick and, yep. and people just pinning. These, these boy, young men they and young. kids, they've got, to, they've got to live. Yeah. Um, and Luke Beveridge... From the outside looking in, has done this as well as you could ever imagine. And there's been some criticism on him along the way. Why don't you play him? Yep. Put him in. Yeah. But it's hang on. No, we're gonna we're gonna make him learn his craft, understand what's required to be at the level. Uh, and by no means, you know, that 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 little grab there of, of Luke Beveridge talking about Jamara is it gives you a greater insight into hang on. This is great. He's kind of. Now starting to show yep. off, off the back of a really hard body of work. He hasn't just clicked his fingers and got to this level. Um, but let's enjoy this moment. Ross Lyon used to be big on, you know, enjoy that 30 minutes after the game, enjoy that night's sleep. And as you wake up the next day and, and you ice up and you recover and, and you prepare for the next one, your mentality already shifts to what lies ahead. And down at GMHBA Stadium for the Dogs, Jamari Hagen. Yes. His magnet now mm-hmm. in opposition preview becomes... You know, more, more sought after. Okay, let's put some more, more five to ten minutes it, yeah. working. To, this is what you've got to do to, to limit his impact leading up at the ball, get front position. He won't be, if, he, if you get in the front position on him, he won't be able to impact the contest. So that's all coming for Jamara, of which Luke Beveridge and his coaching group would be intimately aware. Um, and if a young player gets ahead of himself, just that one or two steps, uh, you can come back to earth pretty quickly. Just another point that Luke Beveridge made uh, there was sort of talking about how some of the other forwards had a, a quieter night as well. And we talk about Josh Bruce. He's just a couple of games back from, from an ACL. Um, Aaron Norton was pretty well held as well. Where do you see Josh Bruce fitting into this side? I mean, you know, it takes a while to come back from an ACL. Yeah, it does. I'll tell you who I watched yesterday in the flesh uh, at Witten Oval. Whether he's ready yet. Young Darcy, Sam Ooh, Darcy. Yes. He, he looked. <laughs> uh, I don't think he'll he'll feature much, if at all, this this year. But I want, he's going to be something. Yeah. In the wet at Whitnoble, he accessed the ball and, and looked really good. They were really tall side yesterday. The Footscray VFL side 
but, it, but in answer to your question, I think Josh Bruce, they've brought him in, and actually fairly, fairly quickly, they've rushed him back within two games, um, within a couple of games at VFL level, had to be the hamstring tightness, yeah. get him in to fill the second ruck void and also bring a bit of leadership and experience yeah. to that front half. So they, they stick with him from my so. point of view because um, winning form is good form. That would have helped Josh Bruce yesterday. Oh, that's another four quarters. Now we need your improvement to just be one or two bricks higher than where yeah, it's at You at just the want him to build for, week to week as he comes back. Well, Bulldogs defender Alex Keith has been good enough to join us this morning. Alex, welcome to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks for jumping on the phone. G'day, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, congratulations on the win last night. We heard Bevo at the top of our show just saying, you know, it was such a, an emotional win. Can you take us inside the rooms after the game and just talk us through what it was like and, and where it rates for you, I guess, in terms of, you know, wins in the home and away season? It looked like it had a fair bit of meaning for the for the boys. Yeah, it really did. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, we don't like to look back too much, but obviously the grand final and, um, yeah, the way, you know, I think we've only beaten Melbourne once in the last uh, two, two or three seasons. So, um, yeah, for some of our lesser lights to play games like they did and um, to have a pretty even spread across the board was, um, yeah, pretty pretty impressive. And as you, as you mentioned, it was, yeah, a pretty special time in the rooms after the game. I mean, you found yourself 27 points down at one stage, but... When you look at the group, you have this great ability to just keep persevering and, and believing in yourselves and your ability. Where does that come from? Um, yeah, I'm not sure. We probably wouldn't like the uh, momentum swings to be as dramatic as they are because we, um, we tend to cough up a bit of score at times, Nat. But, um, yeah, it was yeah a credit to the group to be able to um, galvanise and uh, come back from yeah, tw- 27 points down, was it? So, yeah, um, yeah it was pretty, pretty impressive. But, yeah, as I mentioned, it's probably not something that we're overly keen on with the, uh, the amount of score that we can have against us at times. But um, it cuts both ways, and we want to play an aggressive and attacking style of football and um, to put 110 points on the board against the Melbourne side, who, yeah, I'd definitely say are the, um, structurally the best defensive side in the comp and have been for... A little while now, is, um, yeah, it was really, really, uh, really pleasing. Alex, he doesn't, uh, and by he I mean Luke Beveridge, he doesn't uh, rest on his laurels at all, does he? He keeps flipping magnets, he, he makes changes, you know, fairly regularly to, to your side. And I look at your half-back line um, last night, and, and in, in more recent times, you know, Adam Trelaw has been a, a midfielder. You know, Mitch Hannon's uh, plied his craft as a forward for, for long periods of time, but he, he pretty quickly makes those adjustments. How quickly does that happen? Because in season, you know, you've only got essentially one training a week where you can do a match simulation and say, right, oh, um, Mitch, you're playing back, which he's been doing for a little while, and Adam, you're going back. How quickly does he make these shifts? And I suppose as a playing group, you have to just adjust and, and get on with it and play it how it lies. Yeah, no, spot on. And, um, yeah, he goes with what he sees. And um, if you see something in a player and, um, you know, he'll back him to the hilt and, um, yeah, go, go with it. And I think that, that was probably another part of last night that was really um, enjoyable was a bit of that cohesion coming together at the back end. And you, you mentioned um, Adam coming back there. He's done a great job. And Mitch Hannon as well. And, um, yeah, that probably came about a little bit through um, personnel and 
yeah, hoping to get Caleb Daniel back in the next couple of weeks as well, which will be which will be great. And your neck, I saw you go down there with yes. um, you know, in the second quarter, and you wait, you're pretty tough, and you waved them off, and you said no, <laughs> and then they dragged you off, assessed your, your neck, and you came out and played out the game. How is your health this morning, and you should be okay to go next week? Yeah, no, I just did a carry on, um, which I'm reminded <laughs> about from the, from the boys. So just nothing, nothing more than a wry neck that um, anyone would get, maybe waking up from uh, for, for any job on a given morning. So yeah, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it feels fine now after after the win. Hey, you're in the top eight now. Just talk about, the, and I know there's still you know a month of footy left to Let's go. Let's get ahead of ourselves. Let's get four, four to go. You're in the finals. And, <laughs> and you've got, look. obviously, Geelong next week. So I know you won't be looking past that game, but is there a real sense of belief in this group that you can now play finals footy and not just be making up the numbers but potentially be a bit of a disruptor? Um, yeah, you'll, you'll hate this answer. <laughs> We're just, yeah, honestly, just trying to progress our game um, each week and, and look to improve because we've been, you know, we've been, we have been very inconsistent throughout the year. And yep. um, the ladder doesn't lie, you know, if we're able to put some footy together that um, gets us there in the end, then we'll have earned it. Um, certainly, as you mentioned, we've got Geelong and then um, Fremantle as well. So these three weeks were, were going to be a big test. And um, yeah, we really look forward to um, getting down to, to Geelong next weekend and um, testing ourselves against you know another another benchmark in the competition. We have to ask you about Jamara. He's the talk of the town um, this morning after his performance last night. Just just talk us through how have you seen his growth, not just as a player on field but also off field. Just give us a little bit of insight to, to that if you could. Yeah, um, it's been documented, but um, his his work off the field has has been huge, and um, yeah, it's great to see some. Some reward for that last night, and um, yeah, as you could see, all, all the players are so so happy for him. But he's got a he's got a bit of skill that um, can't be, you know, can't be taught, maybe can't be coached as well. Which, um, yeah, everyone's you know the coaching group are really keen to harness and um, you know let him express that out on the field. So to see what happened last night was pretty special, and um, yeah, it's fantastic to play with him. What was the the messaging from Bebo across? The night because again calling the game and and watching on you go twenty seven down um, but there wasn't a look of, of frustration or, or nervousness from your group was it you know Jack McRae was down halfway through the second quarter he'd only had four possessions and usually he could walk around with his eyes closed and find four possessions halfway through the second quarter you know your front half wasn't functioning you, you, your smalls weren't getting any of the ball and your tools outside Jamara um, weren't hitting the scoreboard it was you, you were being kept in it um, probably by you know four to five or, or, or six players what was the messaging from Bevo was there some changes to personnel or position or was it very much okay we're not going that well let's just buy into it and, and the game will turn yeah Bevo's belief's just been huge it, it, like since the mid-season break he's um, been really keen to exp- express how much he believes in us and um, you know that we can go through and, and put performances on the board. And um, he actually mentioned that um, amongst the players, he could feel a little bit of frustration. And, um, yeah, the boys were, um, you know, really keen to play well last night. As you mentioned, sometimes it wasn't perhaps going our way, but um, Bevo was, 
really good at being able to just um, quell that amongst the players and, um, as I said, draw on that belief that he has. And I think that was um, transferred across to the players over the course of the night. And is it a directive out of your back six? Um, Bailey Dale, he's one of nearly the best kick I've ever seen, to, to be honest. But in the first quarter, it, it was, and there has been some uh, opposition preparation really going to his impact and, and some negating roles going to him. Was there a, a real focus to get the ball in his hands if he was free coming out of D50? Yeah, we love getting the ball in his hands. And as you mentioned, um, you know, sometimes his kicks might not exactly hit the target, but he gets the ball ball really quickly. And, um, yeah, his, his punch kicks are, can be pretty damaging. Um, there's also, like, yeah, you guys will remember the spoil in the last quarter in the yes, goal square. that was um, brilliant. And that's, yeah, so that's, like, something that we we identified and talked about after the match more than um, the yep. stuff that he does with the ball. But, um, yeah, he's a really damaging player and um, he's got a, yeah, great balance between the defensive side as well because he, he's happy to put his body on the line and, um, yeah, help help and support the other defenders wherever he can. Yeah, he's certainly one we love to watch, and I'm sure the Bulldogs faithful absolutely love him as well. Alex, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Really appreciate your time this morning, and best of luck against the Cats and, and for the next month of, of footy. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Nick. Cheers. Alex Keith there, Bulldogs defender after what was an absolutely amazing win last night at Marvel Stadium. The Dogs getting the job done over the Ds by 10 points to claw their way into the top eight. You're listening to Crunch Time for Werribee Izuzu. Upgrade your old ute into D-Max now. They are paying top dollar for trade-ins. The award-winning Crunch Time. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's so, it, it, how good is the competition this year? I mean, it's really good, isn't it? Um, it's no good for coaches. It's just nerve-wracking. But but um, it's a great comp. And, yeah, to get the win tonight is good. But, you know, next week we've got to go down and face the Tigers at the MCG and they'll be hell-bent. So uh, another good test for us, you know. Um, good preparation for finals. Very good preparation for finals indeed. That was Brisbane Lions coach Chris Fagan speaking after, well, the Lions dominated the Suns once again in a Q clash. It was an arm wrestle for about three quarters of the game, but the Lions powered home in the final term, kicking five goals to one to get their eighth straight Q clash win. And and Chris Fagan is 100% right there because... It is a tight competition, not only for the race for the top eight, but the race for the top four. So that win gets the Lions into third place on the ladder. Obviously, Geelong on top of the table at the Melbourne uh, at the moment. D's are next. And you've got Fremantle just underneath the Lions in fourth spot. Sydney and Collingwood on 48 points as well. Sydney's the one for mine that can climb their way into the top four given their favourable draw. And Collingwood, let's be honest, if the Pies win today, they will leapfrog the Dockers into the top four, which is just incredible given where they've come from. And then we haven't spoken much about the Dockers, but they're they're showing some some real... Weakness is a strong word, but they are showing some deficiencies in their front yes, half. Aren't yeah. they? Um, six goals, ten on the weekend, and no Rory Lobb. No, I made mention him. of this last night that Rory Lobb not playing um, probably enhanced 
what he's all about next year and potentially contracts and whatnot. Yes. What will will come of his uh, future, uh, we'll, we'll find out in due course. But he is incredibly important to them. And he can be a bit of a whipping boy, Roy Lodd. But, yeah, Sydney are the one in terms of outside at the moment that would look likely to go in with their run of form, three on the bounce, and, and you know, GWS next week, uh, of, of which you, sh- you think they should be getting that done. Yeah, so looking at the Lions, I mean, this is so they've now strung back to back wins for the first time since round eight and nine. So it's nearly been, you know, 10 weeks or so since mm. they've had consecutive wins. They've been, they've been an interesting one for mine because I was big on the Brisbane Lions. At the start of the year, I had them in the grand final against Melbourne. Finals is still the question mm. mark. Can they stand up in finals? We know that they've got this hoodoo at the MCG, which will be tested again next week against. The Tigers. I'm just jury's out still for me because they look dangerous. Mm. You know, Joe Danaher, Charlie Cameron combined last night, three goals each. So, but so they're the ones. Sorry to jump in. They're, yeah. they're, they're the two that when it's all going nicely and there's nice yes. supply and even there's a bit of comfortability around yep. the crowd getting behind them, that it's all. I, I, I it's look all back going at well. the yeah. game, uh, you know, five weeks ago when they got dismantled by Melbourne, 16 goals, 21, the Demons to seven goals, 11. Uh, the Lions on a Thursday night. You know, it was built up as, here yep. we go, top of the ladder clash. And they have got players that when they go missing, yeah, they go they go missing for for good. Yep. Um, and the first 20 minutes of matches is so crucial to a lot of personnel uh, within the Brisbane Lions. We've just spoken to Alex Keith about you know, the Western Bulldogs and their ability to halfway through the second quarter, Jack McRae hasn't yep. touched the footy. Don't worry, I'm going to buy in Berry in here. I know I can get 25 and a half, and he does exactly that. The, the jury for mine, like you say, is still out on uh, some personnel at Brisbane and their ability to um, ride the rougher waters, I would say. And that's the thing. You look at their forward line. I mean, they have great potency up there and, and the ability to score, but I feel like Oscar McInerney and Eric Hipwood, I know that Hipwood's still coming off that, that ACL and we spoke about Josh Bruce and it takes time, but you just want to see more out of the big O and, and Eric Hipwood at the moment because if, you know, Joe Danaher and, and Charlie Cameron go quiet, mm. then they need others to stand up. Zach Bailey is another one. He had 24 touches and a goal yesterday as well, but I just feel like they're not quite there yet at the level. Richmond next week uh, at the MCG. They've got to play better football at the MCG. Yeah. Now, that, that's, that's, that's clear. Richmond will be stinging after a, a mediocre performance on the weekend. They go back to the MCG to play. So that's a, that's a match of the round contender next week in terms of what comes of that match. So, yeah, Brisbane... As I, as I said you know, earlier in the in the show, it's it's Melbourne, it's Geelong, and then there's a drop-off. You know, Sydney and, and Brisbane are probably in that yeah. discussion. So uh, to beat the, the, the Suns and, and put them away, again, they kept them in it, didn't they, with inaccurate kicking for, for long parts of the game. And, you know, the Brisbane supporters would have been nervous that that inaccuracy was to come back and haunt them. But the ability then, I suppose, three-quarter time, bang, okay, let's straighten up. If we take our opportunities here, we put the game to bed, and they did exactly that. Yeah, they certainly did. And still, uh, I guess, some doubt, serious doubt around Daniel Rich because he was subbed out. With That was uh, a tough look. That was tough. Mm. Levi Casbolt's knee collecting him in the head. I wonder of what uh, Michael Christian, the match yeah. review officer, is going to make of that one. I mean, it looked like Levi 
didn't have much room to move because Daniel Rich went down and, and it seemed like it was just a, a, a terrible accident. But Rich didn't look great when he came off the ground, subbed out with what we can only assume was concussion in the end. So he'll likely miss the game against the Tigers next week, which would be a massive blow. All right, still plenty more to come on Sunday Crunch Time. You're listening to Crunch Time for Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. Answer the Camel score. Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops will be back right after this short break to talk more of Round 19 action. The award-winning Crunch Time. You're listening to Sunday Crunch Time. It's great to have your company here on this fine Melbourne morning. It's now ticking over into the afternoon. We're at Marvel Stadium, counting down to the clash between Carlton and GWS. It is Nat Edwards and Michael Barlow with you. If you're just joining us for the first time on Sunday Crunch Time this morning, welcome. It's great to have your company. This is the pregame show for Thirsty Camel. Answer the Camel's call, Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. If you've been with us for a little while, thanks for sticking on board. We've had plenty to dissect this morning in case you are just joining us for the first time and you're catching up on what's been happening over the course of the weekend, it was a massive game last night here at Marvel Stadium. The Dogs keeping their season alive. They're into the top eight and getting, well, a little bit of grand final revenge as they down the Ds by 10 points. Over at the Gabba last night in the Q-Cash, it was the Lions overpowering the Suns. They move into third place on the ladder. The Cats survived a scare against the power at Adelaide Oval as they make it nine wins in a row. At the SCG yesterday, afternoon it was the Swans blitzing the Crows in a nine goal opening term as they continue their climb up the ladder and they're certainly in contention for a top four spot now and over in Hobart a five goal haul from Jack Gunston inspires the Hawks to victory over North Melbourne so that's what happened on Saturday and we've been dissecting it all we had quite a few winners um Mick, and one of them Mm. is, of course, the Geelong Football Club because they were tested, in particular in that third term against Port Adelaide. The power, geez, sparked really by Charlie Dixon, who was a man on a mission in that third term, and and he really brought them back into that game, the power. I think they had eight goals in the end, eight goals to one in that third term, but Geelong doing what Geelong does. They held on, and I guess the class of Geelong came to the fore in the dying stages of the match, and Tom Hawkins kicking two of his four goals were really crucial to kind Mm. of ice the win. Is there a better kick? And it comes up a lot. Mitch Duncan inside forward 50. He just always finds one, isn't he? He only had the 18 possessions uh, last night, but 438 metres gained his ability to find that inside 50 kick. The amount of times he's put uh, Tom Hawkins in, into goal is, you know, it, it is um, remarkable. So a huge connection uh, advantage they have, the Cats. They've been playing football together for so long, a lot of these players, that when situations like that arise at three-quarter time, you know, Chris Scott, 
again, calling with Josh Jenkins last night. We're watching it on the monitor before we did the dogs and the demons. And I actually asked the question, what would Chris Scott do here at three-quarter time? Would he come down and, you know, mm. rip paint and go bang, 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 point fingers? He goes, no, he never really raises his voice. It's all... Trust the process of, of what we do. We know how, how to how to manage this situation. You spoke before about Richmond on-field leadership uh, in dying moments, and, and is there a disconnect there at the moment? The Cats are you know, the polar opposite, aren't they? It's just full faith in, in their ability to get the job done regardless of circumstance. They were out to a comfortable lead early. Poor Adelaide came bang, charging, barnstorming back into the game, and the Adelaide Oval was going bananas, and, and that environment is a tricky environment but for the men in hoops just to go okay now let's um you know bury back in around the ball let's get the ball into the hands of the ball users and and we'll be okay so uh for mine i've I've always found it hard to catch the cats and i like a lot of people have waited for them to drop off the cliff but you know i'm full of admiration for for the way they're doing it because we've mentioned it before it wasn't the big guns that did it yesterday yeah It, it was you know, there was elements of that. There was little bits and pieces, but, you know, it was the, the lesser likes, the guys that have come through under the Chris Scott system, a bit of hard love for a lot of these guys, and, and they get their opportunity to actually uh, excel and, and produce as they did yesterday. Well, that's what they always say, isn't it? You're only as good as your bottom six to eight players. And when you look at Geelong, and this is where my thinking has changed, I guess, in the last sort of six to, to eight weeks or so, and that you know, brings them more into that premiership contention for me is the fact that those younger players who are coming through, those bottom six to eight players have really stepped up and they've gone to another level, which to me just says that, you know, we can talk all we want about their their finals record in the past, but this is what they need to take that next step. Yeah, and you look at their grand final side from last year, without having it in front of me, but having the side from yesterday in front of me, you replace player A with player B uh, from last year to this year in grand final opportunities or, or, or in your best side, you, you put Sam DeConing in in place of Lockie Henderson. Yeah. You, you're having a really good result. For, for as good as Lockie Henderson was, you, you put Tyson Stengel in for Luke Dalhouse. Tyson Stengel's nearly an All-Australian small yeah. forward. So they've they've been able to not plug holes and, and just find adequate replacements for players. They've been able to come in and, and find... Uh, genuine game changers in certain positions. Brad Close, who, who a lot of these guys, um, sorry, played last year in, the, in that preliminary final uh, against the Demons um, and that grand final the year before against the Tigers. But they're either a better products right now, Tom Atkins, uh, Brad Close, those type of players, or they're new players that have come in and, and, and replaced players that have been very admirable. Um, but the new player has gone past them. I mean, Tom Atkins has really been an unsung hero, really, since he's moved into that midfield role. He had 24 touches yesterday against the Power. 12 of those came in the final term, but it's also what he does off the ball, his work rate, Mm. but he's defensively, as a midfielder, one of the best going around. And I really, really loved his development, as I'm sure the Cats have as well. Yeah, absolutely. Put some work into Conor Rose across the game. So Conor Rose had 21 possessions uh, and had a good impact on the game, um, but they made him work for it. Clearly, there was a plan going in. Okay, who's going to beat us for Port Adelaide? You know, Connor Rose is going to beat us. Okay, yep. so let's put some work into it. It wasn't a, a full four quarter thing, but the old analogy: throw the first punch um, figuratively. You know, <laughs> be physical, throw that first punch, show your intention early, and for Port Adelaide, that slow start in the end 
they took so much effort to get back into the game and, and build that momentum in the third quarter that when they had to rally again, um, of which that last quarter was was unbelievable, wasn't it? It was swings around yeah. But when it was right on the line, had Port Adelaide spent all their all their tickets. Yeah, and that's the thing with Port Adelaide. I mean, you look at their start to the season, 0-5. They were slow starters there. And, and I think it's been three games now this year where they've had they've let the opposition get off to a really, really good start. They've fought their way back into the game. But at the end, they've just run out of petrol tickets, as you say, and haven't been able to, to finish off the job. I mean, right now, you probably put a line through their finals aspirations. I know that Ken Hinckley said after the game that there's still hope and, and they still believe that they can make it, but they're really precariously placed at the moment. They're eight points out of the top eight, eight and ten in 11th. Um, you think that, unfortunately, it just hasn't worked out for them this time around, which is a shame because I really like Port Adelaide and, and what they had yeah. last year just hasn't quite come together and that, that start to the season's really costly. Yeah, they're, they're a side that they're a real watch because Robbie Gray is is not the player he no. has been. You know, um, Travis Boak is still very, very good. He's a yep. very honest, very high-end player. And, and he's closer to the end. Yeah, the absolutely in their best yeah. six to eight, which... I think can actually speak to potentially the issues there, there at Port Adelaide. They just haven't had enough come through yeah. from, from beneath. Carl Amon's one that has come through. He's not going to be there. No. Uh, then um, Connor Rosie has come through. Uh, Zach Butters, Dan Hughes, they, they've they've come through, but they've they've also ridden the roller coaster a little yeah, bit and, and, and have um, have gone in and out of uh, high end form. So their their season is finished. They'll be um, well. Ken Hinckley did say mathematically they're. A, <laughs> A chance. I'll never forget the Port Adelaide of 2014, uh, of which they were a side that yeah, it just jumped on board the Ken Hinckley messaging like that. We're not finished. We're a big chance. And Ken Hinckley, uh, in that year, used to get sides. They were down by 30 halfway through the third quarter. They just steam home yeah. and, and, and win. We saw bits of that yesterday, but they just couldn't sustain it for long enough. Just looking at Geelong as well. Reece Stanley obviously subbed out of the game with a knee issue. Now, Chris Scott didn't give too much away in his post-match press conference other than to say it's medium term, mm. whatever that means. But he said he's likely to miss a few weeks, which raises the question again, because uh, Reece Stanley played a great first half uh, against Port Adelaide. What do they do with their ruck situation? Jonathan Segler's played a couple of VFL games now after recovering from that broken foot earlier in the season. Asava Radigalia is probably another one that's you know been working away in the VFL as well. Shannon Neal had to sort of yeah. take the load yesterday. I'm not sure he's the answer either, but uh, Reece Stanley would be a, a, a massive loss because you don't want to be putting Mark Blitzarves in there. For no, because you're robbing Peter Pay Paul, yeah. aren't you? Mark Blitzarves can absolutely do it, but yeah. what he does uh, in terms of making them a better side as a as a fill the gaps man yeah, exactly. is far better than than having to fill that gap in the ruck. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting watch. It, Probably raised a few eyebrows that Shannon Neal was the sub even yes. yesterday. So w- w- going into the game, what was was there a niggle? Was already? there a niggle? Now uh, the sub, I would imagine, may hit the uh, hit Broadway on Media Street tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, what do you make of the sub rule? Yeah, I, th- I think it's pretty simple for mine. If if you get subbed out, you miss the next week yeah. or you miss the twelve days. It's, yeah. It's right now. There's yeah. There, there's too many. Uh, There's too many loopholes in it. Well, it's just grey, isn't it? What was the, the example on 
Yeah, it's... It, well, Ben Miller being subbed out with subbed cramp, out with cramp yeah. and then Morris Rioli on Friday night coming in for the Tigers was yeah. interesting. Well, that, that's, the, that's the one. And eventually, this, uh, my, my take on it is, if Morris Rioli goes out, and he had an impact in the last five yeah, minutes. Yeah, he did. If he goes out and kicks a winning goal... Oh, yeah. That's, you know, there, there's, there's an inquiry, big time. And I reckon there, there will be some sort of inquiry going into the background of of what's going on with the sub rule. I think it should just be for concussion only. If you get a, a soft tissue injury or whatever during the game, too bad. But it's just for concussion because I think we've got to protect the head. Yeah. We want to protect um, that from being abused. Um, so I think it should be just for that. Either that or just scrap it. We had the sub rule once upon a time and it didn't work out. Let's mm. just – five on the bench maybe. I don't know. But yeah. something's got to change. All right. Right now it is time though to get to Josh Jeans from Dabble. Enjoying crunch time banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. And Josh Jeans joins us from Dabble, as he does every Sunday. Welcome, Josh. What's happening on the Dabble app this week? Yeah, no, there's been plenty happening on the Dabble app. Uh, we went live on Friday night. Tommy Sheridan, he was uh, previewing the match between Freo and the Tigers. So it was pretty cool just to see. Obviously, it's not just a betting app. It's a brand new experience for punters, me. Tommy doesn't have much idea with with a lot of things. Did he let the punters down or was he? how was his form one? You know what? He might not have been that great on the footy field, but I'll tell you what, he's uh, he's very good on the punt. So, no, he's done very well. But, uh, no, good to see him. And I'll tell you what, the Crunch Time team doing pretty well yesterday. Both multis missing by one leg. And I know we're super inclusive here on the Crunch Time AFL team, but we have to stop letting producer Ben put Melbourne into our multis because uh, it is just every week letting us down. And uh, unfortunately, Luke Parker uh, missed no goal for him when our goal scoring multi. But we, we digress and move on. Yeah, and uh, Benny, we've, we've, we've banned him for a few weeks. So the Demons did let us down yesterday for their multi. But what, uh, what have we got in store today? Well, it's got Liam Pickering all over this multi because it's all favourites. So Carlton Blues, 25-plus. We've got the Magpies to secure their spot in the finals, going head-to-head against the Bombers. And the Saints over the Eagles, what are you liking there, Mick? Oh, Saints-Eagles. It's probably the game that no one really cares about this weekend. But the (laughs) Eagles are building. (laughs) I I, I, I feel the Eagles at Optus Stadium... Uh, are a chance to be competitive. Not saying they're going to win, but I give them a give them a show to get within fifteen points. As Nat would know, that's the first time anyone said anything positive about the Eagles from the Crunch Time team. Hey, I'm loving it. I'm here this for weekend. it. Did you? Oh, yeah, Nat, you're upset. coming over my way. I tell you what, you know, you deserve to be promoted. That's for sure. But of course, you can copy those bets. Super easily. All you have to do is download the Dabble app, follow the Crunch Time AFL team, and you can copy those bets. With one click, go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Beautiful. Thanks for joining us, Josh. I've got the masking tape over Benny Lyon's mouth uh, and that will stay on for the next fortnight before the demons return to form. Brilliant, thanks. Uh, Thanks, Josh. Josh Jeans there from Dabble. All right, we are at Marvel Stadium for the Carlton and GWS game this afternoon. It's the early game. One ten starts or about an hour away from... First bounce in GWS assistant coach Dean Solomon has been good enough to join us. Dean, thanks so much for jumping on Sunday Crunch Time. Uh, thank you, Nat. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm looking at your record at Marvel Stadium and you've won your last three here, including against the Blues in the final home and around game of, of last year. 
does that give the, the group a little bit of confidence playing at this venue where you've had some success in recent times? Oh, job's done. We're home. Record <laughs> <laughs> speaks for itself. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, look, it, it probably we haven't drawn on too much in, in, throughout the week, to be fair. We, uh, we face a, a new sort of Carlton side who are, I mean, just from a, a list, list demographic, they're really well balanced the way they play the inside and outside. Their game plan's uh, very structured. and I mean, they're playing a very good brand of football at the moment. So we know the challenge that lies ahead is huge. Um, but for us, we just got to narrow in on our, on our contested possession and, and our stoppage work today. We've, we've sort of fallen away in those two phases yeah. of the game, the last sort of five to six weeks, and uh, we just need to get that back, and then from there, the rest of the game will, will flow on. Solly McBarlow, good to speak to you. Uh, listening to Spike McVeigh's uh, post-game last week, he said he was going to train the boys hard, and he was going to get to work. <laughs> I know when you used to coach me, you trained us hard. You took us down to the, the sand dunes at Kingscliff, and we ran up and down <laughs> them for hours on end. Was it, were there sessions like that this week for the GWS boys? How are you, Mick? Yes, um... There was, yes. We've had, I mean, we've had a different week. We had obviously an extra day up our sleeve and the fact that we uh, played Saturday last week, so we had eight days. So we, we had some opportunity just to, to build some resilience and, and some mindset in around the contested work that we just spoke about. So Mark um, himself, you know, as a player, went through a lot of that stuff and that sort of developed him as a player, both physically but also more the mental resilient piece. And he sort of implemented a bit of old school and, um, you know, it, it doesn't really mean much unless it transferred to today's game. Tom Green, uh, one of those players who's been uh, managed this week. Just just talk us around that decision because obviously um, he's sort of been down in his form, but he plays yeah. a role where he's getting bashed and crashed every week and he's, he's a young player too. He must be a, a little bit sore as well. Just talk us through Tom Green and that decision. Yeah, and that's a really good good question. He, I mean, he's such a kid, um, or like he's only 20 years of age, and it feels like I've like, obviously been... I've only been a part of this, uh, the, the Giants for the last sort of two months. And I, I felt like he'd been around for five, six, seven yeah. years um, just because he's spoken about so much. And he's just absolutely, his red light is just, it's on. It's been on for the last three weeks. Yep. We spoke about it three weeks ago. Do we do we rest him or do we continue to roll and, and manage him throughout the week? But it just got to a point in time that we had to pull the pin on him and just freshen him completely up and... Um, you know, in, in hope that next week that we get a good response um, from him. But he's, he's given us absolutely everything. Um, he didn't want to really, like, like every play, you don't really want to miss a game, but he understands, um, you know, it's a bigger picture of you and, and try, to try and help him and develop him. And, and also continue to learn his daily habits on, on how he can re-energise post-game, post-training. Um, so it's a, it's a whole lot of things that we've had to educate and, and help him through the last sort of three or four weeks because he's never confronted this. As a junior footballer, you just respond and, and be able to play a game. But it's a whole new ball game at this level. And, I mean, look at the midfield we're going to confront today as well. So, um, yes, it was a calculated decision over many hours of discussion. But um, Tom will miss today, but we'll have him back next week. And, Solly, back to the discussion around the week you've had, the, the physical training sessions. I knew and, you'd come back. Yeah, I'm coming back. I knew back. you would, man. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd get away with that <laughs> no, one. No, no, no. no. What, what, you want to know what? Yeah. I want to just know, did you do the shark tank drill? So you put <laughs> – now, this is what you do, right? You I put one know. player <laughs> in a little five-by-five five square. Yep. And then they have to keep a, a fresh player out of that square for 30 seconds yep. and then blow the whistle and then another fresh player oh comes gosh. in. You go four or five times over. This is Dean Solomon. Um, yeah. This is his one wood. Did the shark tank come out this week? <laughs> yeah, it might have come out. It might have, we actually, we, yeah, no, it did. It, come, it did, along with a few other things. I mean, there's, there's a bit of that, that ment, you know, the mentality building stuff, but we've yeah. got to have some method around what we're doing as well. And, and we relate it to the game and, 
broke it down to each individual area as well, what, where they're playing, they're tall, small, inside, mid, outside. Um, so, you know, it was a bit of a discussion and, and a lot of structure around it, but, yeah, just a bit of grunt work, which, I, yeah. I'm, to be fair, as you know, Mick, throughout your career, you probably did a little bit of that throughout the season anyway, and it didn't probably... Um, yeah, we didn't shine a light on it too much, but when you lose and, and we've, we've sort of fallen away in certain areas of the game, it, the attention is probably on it. And Mark probably you know, alluded to it, what he was going to do. So he's delivered his end. It's just now, uh, as a collective, yeah. coaches and players, we've got to deliver today. And the next, you know, the, the last patch of the year, has there been discussion around what it looks like? Because so, so often, you know, out of finals contention, clubs can just limp to the line, but there's got to be a purpose around this next block to make sure that. Um, you know, there's opportunity and some real optimism going into into the off-season and into next year. Yeah, absolutely, Mick. I think you look at most sides, the way they finished the year off before and coming into the new year usually reflects, you know, it's a bit similar. So if we fall away, we'll, we probably feel that, you know, next year we, we start you know, the starting line guessing ourselves a little bit. But I think if, you know, the history shows if you finish off really well, you get some momentum, you know, your confidence, you, you add layers to your pre-season, you, you, clearly, you have a clear vision of what's needed in, within the group to improve, and then you, you hit the hit the starting line next year with, with real purpose. So if, if we individually and collectively fall away this year, um, it'd be really disappointing. So we, we, we've, if, if anything, we've probably revved things up a little bit, as you alluded to, yep. the way we're training and everything like that. So we've got real purpose in, around what, we, what we're doing. Um, we honestly walk into games like this thinking we can win. Like, we're not... There's an absolute... Um, there's no negativity. The attitude is cherry ripe, and... Um, Man, we're looking to knock a few of these big teams off and, and prove that we've... Because we, I look at the list, and I'm, we've been here for a short period of time, but there's absolute quality on this list. We're just going to unlock the mentality and, and just inject some confidence into these guys. And, and they, I mean, not long ago, they were playing in the grand final, and most of those players are still here. So this is a, this is a quality list. just needs to be woken up a little bit, inject some confidence, and, and we'll come home OK this year. You mentioned before that the midfield that you're coming up against today. I mean, we know Carlton's so potent in that area. Do you look at tagging someone like a Sam Walsh or you just focus on, on your game? No, we do. We've, we've spoken about two or three of them that we potentially look to tag. Um, at, at the first sort of the first 10 minutes, we're going to analyse and assess okay. um, and, and then and, and go to if we need to. Um, you know, we've got, a, we've got a few players missing in that part of the ground at the moment. Um, Kelly, Whitfield, yeah. um, you know, these guys. So... Green, Tom Green, we spoke about it before. So what it does do, though, is gives exposure to guys like Tanner Bruin and these guys and Pete Ling. And so that's really exciting in itself. So we want to back those guy, guys in initially, and then we know that we've already got plans in place. If we need to go to a Walsh or a Crits, we, we've got that in place if we need to go to that. But initially, um, I'm really excited about to see what you know Tanner Bruin can bring and, and Pete Ling and these guys. And, and, and as we spoke about before, just giving these guys absolute confidence that they can play at this level and they can compete with these guys. If not, they can, they can go one better. Now, you were the interim coach at the Suns for a bit after after Rocket left back in 2017. I mean, what did you learn from that experience that you've been able to to share with Mark McVeigh? Because it's, it's obviously an unusual situation to find yourself in. Yeah, no, it's probably, it's, it's, it's one, I think it's it's the overall week to week, like it's it's the, the time management component. So you, you've got to obviously inject yourself into all parts of the football club. Um, so managing your time, but also being really planned is a, is a critical balance. And I think... Mark, I'm, a good, I'm obviously good friends with him, but the, the real purpose he came and, and gave me a call and knocked on my door was I'd obviously walked in his footsteps a couple of years before and he just wanted to know what was coming. He, he had a bit of an idea, but um, as you speak to any coach who, who's a senior coach or an interim coach, the, the, the common, the common uh, 
you know, common sentence they use is, oh, I didn't realise it was going to be that much. And, and I just try to dump as much information and prepare him and structure him up as much as I possibly could um, prior to, to the first game that he, he sort of um, he did coach and it, just to give him a feel what was coming. And to be fair, he, he had a lot of it already down and, and structured up quite well and, and his time management has been great. And, and most importantly, what we can't have is Mark getting consumed and, and sucked into all those different parts because, yes, it's part of it, but... The most important for Mark, most important part for Mark, is spending time with his players and talking to him about what he wants now, which is a different game um, game style. The, the week looks different, so spending time with those players one on one or within lines or, or the whole um, squad together, and just just immersing himself and they get to feel him, he gets to feel them, and that real strong connection was the most important part. So whatever we could do outside of that to allow that that space to happen, um, that's kind of been my role. You think he's got what it takes to take the top job? Oh, look, I, I do, um, but obviously um, my view is probably personally looked at a bit biased because I'm, I'm good friends with yeah. him, but I look at the way he operates. He's, he's got a, a really good, as a player, the way that he played, the way that he was coached, um, his daily habits as a player, the way that now that he coaches and, and, and you know, the, the layers that he, he drills down to, he's, a, he's a very much a relationship-based coach, which I think is an absolutely critical um, component to any coach, doesn't matter whether it's football or, or anything, um, and his game now is very, very good as well, so... It's just, it's just time, exposure. I think he's ready for it. I mean, he's coached all phases of, of um, this football club in, the, in coaching roles. He's a New South Wales guy, which I think is really important. The Giants are obviously the youngest club in, in this competition, but they've still got history. There's still history there, and history is, to any football club is so important. So he, he brings a lot of the fabric already. Um, you know, they, obviously, they're going to you know, throw the net out wide and, and see what's there, but I think a real asset or advantage that Mark has, he has strong connections within his football club at player level at football department level and, and above him as well, that, that's already there. And, and that can take years to build, but this guy's already got it. And I think, um, you know, his coaching acumen outside of that is very good as well. Dean, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Best of luck with the game ahead. Thanks, guys. Dean Solomon there, got a GWS assistant coach. Uh, great to have the assistants on our show. We've got Tim Clark coming up as well from Carlton. Still to come, the... Final teams are out. No late changes to either side, which is good news for Carlton. The medical sub is Jack Nunes. And for the Giants, it's Jake Steen. We'll be back on Sunday crunch time just after this short break. Of course, Michael Barlow is here for Buy My Stock. Got excess stock? Visit buymystock.com.au. Award-winning crunch time. You're listening to Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel, Bottle Shops, Nat Edwards and Michael Barlow with you on this Sunday afternoon. We're at Marvel Stadium, not far away now, about 40 minutes from the first bounce here between Carlton and GWS, of course. The Blues looking to consolidate a spot in the top eight. A couple more... Games to come for round 19 as well. Uh, Collingwood up against traditional rival Essendon at the MCG, 3.20 Eastern time start. And then West Coast and St Kilda to finish things off at Optus Stadium later this afternoon. Of course, the Saints, well, they need to win this one to keep their finals hopes and their season alive. Brett Ratton putting the heat on a number of players as well. But we've been lucky enough now to be joined by Carlton Assistant coach Tim Clark. Tim, thanks so much for jumping on uh, Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Uh, just looking out here and the teams are both out uh, on Marvel doing their, their warm-ups at the moment. Obviously, the Giants, their season hasn't gone to plan, but I'm sure they'll be looking to get a few scalps in the last sort of month of their season. What have you made of the Giants so far and what do you need to be wary of today? Oh, like the, the Giants' best footy is competitive with, with any team and we know that. Um, yeah, they've been not as consistent as they have been in and around the footy over the last two or three weeks, but we know they're quite capable. They get back in their big ruck, Proust, today, which will give them a bit of energy around the ball. But we're expecting the best Giants team today, and we know that we have to bring a heap of pressure and then make sure we use the ball well to get it into our forwards. The loss to Geelong last week, Saturday night. I mean, what, what did you learn and take away from that loss that you can bring into today's game? Geelong, uh, what we learn is how clinical and mature Geelong are as a team. Uh, they brought a heap of pressure around the ball. They were very clinical with how they moved the ball and they took some of our strengths off us. Uh, we, we don't think that we played to our best during that game and then they also took off some of the, the strengths that we've got as a team. So they, uh, we, we did learn a lot out of the game and we're, we've got to work this week on some of those learnings, but that, that'll take a couple of weeks to to really come out. Um, but it was a great opportunity for our players and our team to play, a team like Geelong, and just really test where we're at. And um, like I said, we've gone to work on a, a few of those learnings. And Tim, what were some of those learnings? Was it around the, around the contest, some of your midfielders who've had great years uh, potentially just were just were off a touch last week against the Cats, but you know the football. Uh, situation is such a good situation you can bounce back really quickly and these players would have been uh, licking their lips at getting back out there today yeah like the Geelong midfielders really came after our boys um, we were really up for the challenge but they um, they were super competitive they were super edgy and uh, a couple little things inside the contest that we need to be better at and we've we've gone at training it this week and we've got a really strong focus on that today and that's how we protect the ball when when the pressure comes and how we drive through and get it to our teammates and we know we've got the players who can deliver that. Um, these other things that we've worked on which are less midfield specific but should see a pretty keen midfield out there today. And in terms of your personnel, uh, me along with everyone else uh, as a neutral observer watching uh, has loved the return of Charlie Kernow and you know, the connection with Harry Mackay, yes, there's that aspect of it. But I think as impressive is, is the smalls at the feet uh, of those big boys. The forward pressure that you've been able to, to whether it's to gain or, or whether it's to really lift and um, solidify it as a top-end forward 50 pressure team with Corey Durden. Um, you know, Jesse Motlop's one that's, that's mm. come in, a really raw talent, and, and base their game off pressure, don't they? Yeah, they do. I'll start with Charlie too, though. Like, they, I think it's great for footy to have players like Charlie back playing consistent footy because he's, he's an excitement machine. He brings, brings smiles to the faces of the fans. And he, um, going back to the small forwards, they, they love playing with Harry. They love playing with Sauce. They love playing with Charlie because they bring the ball to ground and it gives them an opportunity to get into the game. And uh, the pressure that they provide... Uh, the fall of ball presence that they provide, it's exciting for, for us as a team. It lifts us as a team and gets the crowd involved as well. And whether it be uh, Matty Owies at the start of the year comes in and play that, plays that role. You've got Josh Honey that comes back into the team today. He's going to play that role. But, yeah, Dirds and, Dirds and Mots, they'll definitely be bringing heat today. Zach Fisher's the other one for mine. I think his last month has been really impressive. I think he's averaging around 24 disposals per game across the last four rounds. How have you seen his sort of season so far t to date, and in particular that last month of footy? Yeah, Zach, he's been fantastic for us. He plays a variety of roles. Um, sometimes he's a forward. 
Sometimes he's a midfielder, sometimes he plays wing, and he embraces every time that he gets the opportunity to play his role. And he's fast with his feet when he gets up around the contest. He's a really smart ball user, and he, uh, the boys all love him. They love playing with him. So uh, you should see him a bit around the footy today. Mitch McGovern too, the other one that comes back into the side. Very exciting. I know Blues fans will be up and about to see him back. And I think we all, the, the footy community, just want to see him string some games together now and, and put some those injury woes behind him. How is he? And I'm sure he's been champing at the bit to get out there. Yeah, he has. He's, he's in terrific shape, Gov. Um, he's, played a, he's played a game at our VFL level. He's, uh, he's done a mountain of work with his training and all the numbers are, are saying that he's ready to go. And what he brings is, is very few players in the comp that blend a really strong defensive and offensive blend to their game, and he's got that. He, uh, he can win the ball really well, and then he, he really sets us up in attack. So he, uh, we're looking forward to him playing. Uh, similar to Fish, he's a real energy giver to our team. Uh, we can't wait to have him out there today. And Tim, you're an experienced coach. You've been around footy a, a long time, and, and this time of year you would be able to kind of bring your own thoughts and processes back to the moment and concentrate about what you can control right now. How hard is it with these guys, a group that's been starved of success for, for so long, to, to be hyped like they have and to be sitting in a situation which is exciting for the club and their fans to, to participate in the postseason, but the job's not done yet. How hard is it to bring these guys back to the moment? Oh, look, I just looking at Vossi and, and Lloydie here in front of me, I, the, the senior managers of our footy club, the, the culture that we have here is a very process-driven culture. And you, you wouldn't notice when we've got a big game against a rivalry, whether it's a big game like today, um, you, know, you, you wouldn't notice a difference internally at the club. But the, it does infiltrate the thinking of the players. Like They've got families, they've got friends, they've got social media. That They are aware of it. But we just keep bringing it back to the process that makes us play really good footy. And we're still building that. We've spent um, you know, the last 18, 19 rounds building that. And hopefully today we can keep moving forward with that brand of footy. Oh, we look forward to seeing what the Blues can produce out here today at Marvel Stadium. Tim, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Crunch Time. Appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Have a good call. Tim Clark there, Blues assistant coach in charge of the midfield at Carlton. Uh, I was just looking at some interesting stats and facts ahead of this game. Toby Green does not have a great record against the Blues. Carlton is one of only four teams that he's averaged less than one goal against. Which is interesting because for years that's been Carlton's issue, hasn't it? Yeah. Been, they've been very one-on-one in, mm. their, in their defence and now they're actually a very solid team defence. Yep. So... Uh, it'll be interesting to find that matchup for Toby Green um, early in early in the game and and see how that will unfold. Uh, I think Toby off the back of the week they've had it was it was fascinating insight there by Tim Clark in terms of Carlton and staying yeah. in the moment and, and they've had a they've had a pretty solid week in terms of going to work on some of their learnings and and someone like Toby Green I, I would imagine wouldn't have loved the week they've had on the track and mm. the edginess around the coaching messaging and, and the training and whatnot and the need for that at this time of year. So I'd, I'd imagine you know, a player as proud as him would be playing with a fair chip on his shoulder today. Yep, and just knowing the leader he is, but leading by example out on the field, I feel like he is primed today to have a big one, one certainly for the Carlton defence to watch out for. All right, still a little bit more to come here on Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops. We'll be back after this quick break. The award-winning Crunch Time. 
to Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks to Thirsty Camel Bottle Shops, Nat Edwards and Michael Barlow with you. We're here at Marvel Stadium. Not long now until the Carlton GWS game. First bounce of the ball. No late changes to either side, which is good news. Of course, Collingwood and Essendon also coming up at the MCG 3.20 Eastern time start. That's going to be an absolute cracker because it is a beautiful day here in Melbourne. And then Round 19 wraps up with West Coast and St Kilda going head-to-head at Optus Stadium. The Saints need to win this one to keep their season alive. And don't forget, if you are heading to the football there, check out the AFL record this week. We look at some of the ideas and innovations that haven't quite worked out over the history of AFL-VFL football. And that includes some of the garish Guernsey designs, including Carlton's pale blue M&M jumper back in 97, the centre diamond, which was the forerunner of the centre square and the plan to turn Waverley Park into a 157,000-seat stadium. So make sure you check out the AFL record this week on bad jumper designs. Mick, the Hawthorne Power <laughs> Ranger jumper was just one that I absolutely Hated. Yeah, there's, there's been the, some bad ones. There has been some bad ones. The the Hawthorne Power Ranger, the one that Frio are wearing in their uh, retro round in a couple of weeks. It's, I think it's one of their worst that they've brought what, out. The old school one. Yeah, it's, oh, it's with hard the to describe. It. It's kind of a three D anchor. Yeah, I don't like that one. I want their original the green, jumper, the they very wore it last first year, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a terrific one. The, the Carlton M M&M and M Blue. Yeah, it was. They were yellow at some stage. I feel like Carlton more yellow. At some stage. God, quite possibly. There are so many jumpers and, and different iterations of it. It's, it's hard to keep I could be making that up as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, the M&M blue one, I think we all remember that one, and I'm not sure that's ever coming back. Thanks, Carlton. Um, well, we've spoken and dissected a, a, about a lot of footy, but we, we've barely touched on a couple of games, North and, and Hawthorne and, and the Swans and the Crows. I mean... North Melbourne crashing back down to earth after a, a really great uh, victory against the Tigers the week before. But uh, 46 points down, they went to, to the Hawks at Blundstone Arena yesterday. I think if you're a North fan, you just want to see little positives as, mm. as you work your way towards the end of a, what has been a very long season for the North Melbourne Football Club. But Ben Mackay played a, a really great game um, yesterday, keeping Mitch Lewis, I think, just to the to the one goal, and I'm not sure that even um, when that goal was was kicked, I don't think Ben was actually playing on Mitch Lewis at, at that point. And Mackay himself had 10 marks and, and 17 disposals. Luke Davies Uniac continues to impress, 30 touches and two goals. Jaden Stevenson wasn't too bad yesterday either. So you just want to see those little you do. shining lights. You don't do, you? but you don't want the start they had. Like you want no and. For mine, that's that's might sound simplistic, but it's mentality. Like mm. the, you, you come out the week before and and bring that effort and bring that attitude. It, it's clearly not ingrained in them to come and compete uh, as a whole. Yeah. You know, you, we we speak. I, I've been lauding for, for for a while. Luke Davis Uniac. Yep. Jai Simpkin, yep. who was down a bit yesterday. Yeah, he was tagged. Um, Todd Goldstein. You know, the guys that come out and go righto. Doesn't matter where we are, who we're playing, we're gonna we're gonna have a crack. It just falls off, and there's a bit about talent. There's there's talent as well, but the effort to compete for the first thirty and give you give your fans something after a really big week the week before, 
yeah, for mine it was just a bit of a deflation. They'd, oh, it was a bit about the, the monkeys off the back. Yeah, we've got we got that win last week, um, of which you know there's elements of that win that Richmond kicked straight and they probably lose yeah. by five or six goals. So, um, yeah, there, there 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 is an inability from the outside looking in for for the players to absorb and acknowledge. Oh, that's that's not a given. That that those results they come off the back of committing to that uncomfortable feeling in your stomach and saying, oh, I'm going to go out there and give it my all and put myself in the precarious position to, to be an opportunity uh, to get a result of which they just don't do for, for long enough or, or not enough of them do it. Yeah, I mean, that first quarter, Hawthorne kicking eight goals to, to zip. They only kicked three behinds, um, the Roos, in fact, for that opening term. I mean, for Hawthorne, that's three straight wins now in a row. I mean, Jai Newcomb, we talk about him so often, um, in the love Rising him. Star conversation, absolutely love him. Nick Dacos has probably got him covered. I think covered. that conversation, <laughs> it, unfortunately, <it's> <laughs> he was he was in it up with his eyeballs early, and, and he, he, he actually hasn't he hasn't deteriorated in terms of his no, performance. It's just, it's just Nick, the other guys. Nick gone, Dacos has gone to gone another back. level, hasn't he? But uh, John Newcomb was super yesterday. Thirty disposals, fifteen of those contested, two goals, nine clearances, five hundred and seventy-two meters gain, and seven inside fifties. Tom Mitchell was excellent as well as was Jager. O'Meara and Sicily and Hardwick, excellent in defence. So really good signs there for Hawthorne. I think um, if you're a Hawthorne fan, you're looking at that and seeing what they're mm. building for next season and, and they're getting games into into some of the younger players like Connor McDonald. Really, really like what he's had to offer so so far. Josh Ward um, as well has been, um, has been really good. He's had some concussion issues as well this season. And Ned Reeves is one that... For me, I mean, I'm I'm excited about what Ned Reeves can can be as a ruckman. Mm. Um, in the next couple of years, as he continues he, his development, he's a, a really exciting player for mine. That I'm sure Hawks fans are, are keeping a close eye on. Uh, the other game yesterday afternoon that also had a first quarter blitz yep. was the Sydney Swans. I mean, nine goals in the opening term. They kicked nine three fifty seven, which is their highest opening quarter score since round 18, 1997. And they blew the Adelaide Crows out of the water in one term. The Crows were actually good for the, the rest of the game. They outscored the Swans 10 goals to eight, but the yep. damage was already done. It was done, yeah. So they're both games that kicked off at quarter to two yesterday. <laughs> two of the teams thought it kicked off at quarter past two, uh, which uh, at the end of the day um, put, those, put put both of those games to bed and you start well, you play from in front, you, you can feel relatively comfortable with where you're at. With with um, That was Hawthorne and that was also Sydney. So Adelaide, for mine, is is a real story, Adelaide. We, we, um, we've talked a bit about Sydney and about how well they're going, but the improvement of Adelaide, if there is any, is is limited or has it come backwards yep. a little bit? And the importance of of starting um, starting fast is is critical. Now the bounce back for Juraveg providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. We're looking for someone who's either bounce back already or looking to bounce back. It could be from these games today. Obviously, Carlton will be looking to bounce back mm. after that loss to Geelong last week and just reinstate their credentials as a, a final side. But is there someone or a team in particular that's caught your eye for the bounce back for Juraveg? Well, I'll give a, a shout out to Geelong, who bounced back in yeah. in game and, <laughs> yes. and and went went bang at three quarter time, and that might have been the the nomination up until last night's game of which Jamara Eugle Hagen. Um, not that he's bounced back from 
any sort of lull or adversity, but he's been front and square in, in yeah. media commentary around his career. And he's a young player finding his way that has has put together now two really good weeks in last night's performance um, on top of the three goals the week before. That's a bounce back in terms of... Or a bounce to the level to say, I'm here yeah. to, to play at the level and, and, and be a long-term AFL player. Let's not throw the word star around too, too loosely or early um, because he's got a fair bit of work to go to there. But I really enjoyed the performance of Jamari Hagen last night. Yeah, I think we all did. I mean, you, you look at his draft year as well, so much spoken about and the comparisons came for Buddy Franklin. And, yeah, and, that, and it's that so was much, a tough one. It's so much pressure, isn't it, to put on a young kid, number one draft pick, comes in. We know that key forwards just take a little bit longer to develop sometimes. You look at Todd Marshall and, you know, top top five draft pick and, and mm. it's taken him a long time to kind of come to the fore and, and really provide some consistent performances. And I think we're very quick to judge sometimes and put extra pressure on these young players coming through and, and Jamara Yugle Hagen and the way the Bulldogs have handled it has been um, pretty good. They've made him earn his stripes, um, work away in the VFL, um, work on some things off field as well to kind of get himself set for this professional level that is AFL football and um, yeah, he really showed it last night which is which is so exciting because you, you can't help but think what can this kid be? Yep. No, absolutely. And the Dogs, whatever comes of their last four weeks and, and do they go into finals or whatnot. I think they're the, the side that is most likely to play finals, so who, who knows what can happen there. But, yeah, beyond this year, uh, the Dogs should have a huge amount of optimism as to what they've got um, around the edges of Tim English' big game. I think his game uh, probably lost in the wash a little bit due to yeah. Jamari Hagen's big game. So they've got a legitimate ruckman there. In, within two years of top three ruckmen in, in, in the comp. Yep. I know, and I know a fair few Bulldogs fans who are a bit pessimistic about <laughs> Big Tim and, and where he's going, but last night watching him in the flesh against Max Gorn, there was a bit of a puff of the chest out and say, say oh, I'm not going to be able to limit you too much on your impact on the game, but yeah. I'm coming with you. I'm going to have my moments as well. So we saw that from Tim English. So if you've got Tim English as a ruckman, you've got Aaron Norton and Jamari Hagen uh, up, up um, one end together. They've got the midfield, which is going to be sustainable for, for a number of years to come. Clearly the back half for, for the Dogs is, is a work in progress. Liam Jones sniffing around, only a young player. Uh, sorry, only only um, recently out of the game due, yeah. to the, due to the vaccination rules. So does he freshen up and have three or four more years in him um, due to that circumstance? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I reckon the off-season, the post-season is going to be so intriguing for so many yeah. different reasons. You even look at... Obviously, GWS and, and could there be an exodus um, in, in terms of players leaving the Giants? They don't even have a, a coach signed up yet for 2023. And then even looking at um, Fremantle and Melbourne, uh, Luke Jackson, is he on the way out? Um, could uh, Angus Brayshaw also be on the way out to, to Fremantle potentially to join his brother? So it's going to be a really intriguing trade period. And, of course, all the trade news really just starts and gets going. The rumour mill starts um, 
probably once August comes around and teams no are, and no longer, wicket, is there? Oh, there is none and we absolutely love all of that talk but right now we're still in the midst of round 19 three games of footy still to come your way kicking things off obviously at Marvel Stadium it is Carlton and GWS looking forward to this one no late changes for either side and then traditional rivals Essendon and Collingwood going head-to-head at the MCG. I can't believe I'm going to say this, but if the Pies win, they're going to be in the top four. Who would have thought they sacked their coach, Nathan Buckley, last year? But Craig McRae has done a phenomenal job with the Collingwood Football Club so far. I think they might win eight in a row if, if they beat the Bombers today, but certainly the Bombers have been up and about. And, of course, West Coast and St Kilda to round out round 19. And, of course, all that action you can catch on AFL Nation, Mick, it's been great having you on uh, Sunday Crunch Time. Thanks for coming in. I got the rev up from Josh Jenkins last night. Award-winning <laughs> show. Don't muck it up. So hopefully I've gone okay. You've done brilliantly. JJ's not coming back. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy your Sunday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91